0: Well, good day. Welcome to St. O Fields Community Church. I'm your host, Pastor Jason. We're so excited that you decided to join us for worship this week. Um, we hope that you've had a wonderful week, and um, we're excited about continuing our series, The Family Reunion, as we dive back into the history of uh, Jesus's family tree to see how we all relate to that as well. You know, we have a lot of things that are going on at Salem Fields. We want to make sure that you're aware of each and every week. We have Celebrate Recovery that happens every Thursday night at Salem Fields in the building. Um, this is an in-person event at Salem Fields at uh 7 p.m. on Thursdays. Um, we also are having our 9 a.m. in-person services every Sunday. And you're welcome to join us. But uh, we want you to make sure that you know that you need to register to be at that service. So you want to visit our website at SalemFields.com slash reopening, and to find out more information about that. Um, We also have, every week, we have our things that are going on, our Zoom meetings um, that take place uh, on our Facebook Live meetings. We have our Deeper Dive that takes place on Facebook Live every Monday at 2 p.m. Our Journey Takeover takes over on, on all of our social media platforms. This is for our students on Tuesdays. We have our live um, lunch gatherings um, on Zoom on Wednesdays and Fridays at noon. We have our Family Connect on Thursdays, and we have our live prayer, Zoom prayer, at um, 9 a.m. on Fridays. We also have an exciting event coming up that I think uh, if you have those uh, kayaks, those canoes, um, you know, you enjoy getting down on the water, um, we want to invite you to be part of a paddle prayer event that is going to take place on the Rat Panic uh, River on July 24th, starting at 6 30 p.m. You want to meet at the Fredericksburg City docks and um, you need to provide your own canoe. You need to provide your own uh, kayak and paddles, but uh, you know, join us down there as we kind of paddle upstream and then go and take on um, coming back down and just spending time together in community and prayer. We're so excited that you've decided to join us. Make sure you're connecting with us by filling out your connection card at salemfields.com contact. And again, we want to encourage you to um, to continue to put forth uh, that that act of worship through your giving of your tithes and offerings. You know, it's, it's where we store up our treasures and our treasures are stored up in heaven that God will reward us and gift us. And we want to make sure that you experience those rewards and gifts that you, uh, God has for us um, through our faithful tithing. This is also a great way for us that we can continue to, Reach and minister to people all around the world. Um, and speaking of those around the world, make sure you're praying for Pastor James and Charity Onwa today as they continue to minister to those in Nigeria, and um, and for Manu and his family in um, in India. We're so glad you decided to join us. And here we go, ready to worship. God bless you all. Mm-hmm.
1: Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me into his love A slave to sin Jesus died for me. Yes, he died. Sunday
2: Screen in unity, lifting up the name of Jesus and let's celebrate His grace. Let's see this out. So, swing wide, oh you heavens, let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath, repeat the sound. All the children, clean hands, pure hearts, good grace, good God. His name is Jesus. To swing wide, oh so you heavens Let the praise go up as the walls come down Oh creation, everything with red Repeat the sound Oh his children, clean hands, fill hearts Good grace, good God His name is Jesus Oh, swing wide to so swing wide i Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. I thank you, Jesus, that you are for us, that you are with us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we are unified. All of us from many walks of life are unified in you, Jesus. And so I just pray, God, that as we just continue our series this morning of of, uh, family reunion, that you would just truly just open your word to us. Lord, just speak to us. Teach us what it is you want us to see today, God, and let us grow from it, Lord. We just thank you so much for your faithfulness. Just be a Pastor Chris as she delivers the word. And God, let us just receive it with an open heart and an obedience. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chris. It's great to be with you today. Well, last week we started off this new series that we've called Family Reunion. And today we're going to start off with a game because who doesn't like games, right? So gather around the screen, everybody. And the name of the game is called Guess the Family. Guess the Family. Now I've chosen a few of my favorites. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you a picture And I want you to shout out not just the name of the show or the movie that the family comes from, but also the name of the family, whether it's a last name or even some first names. Okay, ready? Set. Well, starting off with a long-lost favorite from my childhood, what show is this? This is Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Does anybody know the last name of the family in Dinosaurs? It's the Sinclair family, and their first names, you have Earl and Fran, the parents, and then you have the kids who are Charlene and Robbie, and then we have baby Sinclair, then not the mama guy, and for bonus points, the grandma's name, Ethel, Ethel. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Who are these folks? These are the Griswold family from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. They're a must-see at my house every year. Do you remember their names? their first names. We have Clark and Ellen Griswold and the kids are Audrey and Russ and the uncle's name is Eddie. Yeah, some great characters here. So let's go on to the next one. How about these characters? These are Pastor Kelly's favorites. We have the Adams family. How many of their names do you know? Well, we actually have a family tree for them, believe it or not. Take a look. Wednesday, Pugsley, the parents, and who's related to whom. Okay, let's go to the next one. Who are these folks? This comes from Full House. Not to be confused with Fuller House. And do you remember their last names? Well, we have Danny Tanner, Jesse Kostophilus, Uncle Joey. And if you've ever really tried to figure out how they're all related, you can see here. And it makes total sense, right? Well, moving on to the last one for today. Probably a more recent one. Who is this? This is Black Panther, Black Panther, Chalice family. Have you ever sat down and diagrammed out their family? Probably not. Well, someone on the internet has. So check this out. And here you have the family members here who's related to whom. It's really fascinating. And families are really fascinating things, right? And maybe your family was never a show, but it could be. And I have news for you, you're not the only one. Uh, Just like these TV show and movie families, we all have people in our families that we wonder how they can be related to us. And I don't know if you've ever done one of those ancestry things. Um, I haven't. I'm actually afraid of it because I wonder, what do you do if you find out you're related to someone like Jeffrey Dahmer? Right. That's kind of problematic. Well, sometimes people in our families, though, uh, are famous, but maybe not that famous, but they're famous for the wrong reasons. We have people that hold extreme beliefs, maybe have relational histories, maybe have certain opinions about things or living situations, job situations, things that they're dealing with, what they've done in the past, maybe even just like quirks and just plain weirdness. And just like we said last week, if you can't think of anybody in your family, it could be you. Uh, but, but because of that, a lot of us do wish that we had a different family. I don't know if that's the case with you, but some of us remember a time in the past, maybe when you were in middle school and you had that friend whose family you just wish that you had. You even investigated the adoption process and their parents let you stay up late and eat ice cream for dinner. They had that cool mom, that awesome dad. And And think about it for a second. How would you, if you could, how would you edit your family or even your family tree? You know, are there people that you would like to edit in Uh, Would you graph in folks from other family trees? But at the same time, who would you choose to prune from your family tree? Or at the very least, who would you choose to kind of keep secret or not talk about or maybe not even talk to because you've been cut off from them in some way? See, the interesting thing is that Jesus shows us that when it comes to crazy family members, God doesn't write them off. In fact, instead, God writes them in. And Pastor Kelly last week talked about how God is at work in spite of our families. That's kind of our overarching theme here. But today we're going to look at this question that I think we all face. And that is, what do you do with the family member you wish you could hide or get rid of? Well, we're going to look at someone whose story in the Bible um, that most of us, if we had the chance, if they were a part of our family, we would probably edit them out of our family tree if we could. And it's one of the, what I think, one of the most R-rated and creepy stories in here. But guess what? This individual is in the lineage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you were kind of making this stuff up, if you were making this up that Jesus is a fairy tale and you wanted to get people to believe, you know, you probably wouldn't include someone like this person in the family tree of Jesus. In fact, in Jesus's day, it was very common for people to prune members from their family trees out of their genealogy. That if you had that, that messed up uncle or that kid that didn't quite turn out right, you could totally exclude them from your genealogy. But that's not the case here. And you know what that means? You know what that means? It means that if God didn't write this person off, he doesn't write you off and he doesn't write your family off. And that also means that we're called not to write them off. Maybe maybe your bond to your family is exactly what God will use to redeem your family and also to connect them to his. And I think the 1979 Philadelphia Mega Hit by Sister Sledge echoes that joy of being part of a family. So hit it Jody So so let's start at the very beginning in our core scripture for this series. It's a really good place to start in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this, the genealogy of Jesus, a record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Judah. Judah. Let's just pause there. That's our story today. Judah. We don't understand how significant this is. That some of us, when we read genealogies, we see a sea of names, or maybe we even skip over it completely. But Matthew's audience, who are mainly religious Jewish people, they knew their Old Testament stories. And they would have seen Judah's name. And been like, what the heck? What is what is he doing there? They would have known that that he was one of 12 brothers, the sons of Jacob that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. They they might know, and you might know his famous brother. His name is Joseph. If you've ever seen the movie or the show, Joseph and the amazing technicolor dream coat, he's Donnie Osmond, right? He's a good guy, he's a favorite son. The other brothers in the story are jealous of him. But what's interesting is Joseph is not in Jesus' genealogy. He's not included in this scripture in Matthew. And that, that tells us something really important. That tells us this. If God only chose the best people to include in his story, he would have chosen Joseph. But that's not the case. Instead, we have somebody else. We have Joseph's brother. And Judah isn't even the oldest brother. But he's the influencer in the family. I think for a second, who is the influencer in your family? Maybe it's you because you're smiling right now. But, but Judah's story is a story of lies, of secrets, and of sin. And Judah's debut in the Bible, well, if we go back all the way back to Genesis chapter 37 here, we see that story there where Judah and his brothers They're out one day all together, and they're jealous, of course, of Joseph, and they wind up stripping Joseph of his robe, throwing him into a cistern. They sit down together for lunch while Joseph is in the cistern, and they begin to debate what to do with him, and they see a caravan in the distance passing, and at this point in the story, somebody gets an idea, so we're going to pick up here in Genesis 37, so Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him, sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him sold him for 20 shekels of silver to Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. So Judas says this, he says, why kill him? Let's make some money on him, let's sell him. Which I wanna introduce you to Judah from which we get our savior, Jesus Christ. And and then he goes on in the story and he goes home and he lies to his parents about Joseph. He says that he's dead, he was torn to pieces. And then he winds up keeping this a secret for 12 years. It makes us ask the question, did God make a mistake when he chose Judah to be part of Jesus's family tree? Why didn't, why didn't God write off Judah here? Well, it's the same reason why God didn't write you off and didn't write me off. See, in Judah's story, we see three reasons we can't write people off in our families. And the first is that grace is always more powerful. Grace is always more powerful. This is this is really really difficult stuff. Grace. Grace is described as an undeserved, unmerited favor. And we think that like paying for a stranger's order at Chick-fil-A is like unmerited favor, we're showing grace. But but really think of grace more along the lines of not only paying for the order but then delivering it to someone and and not a stranger. But that person that wronged you, that person that hurt you, an enemy, that's more the spirit of grace here. See, God didn't write off Judah because God works through grace, not Judah's goodness, because Judah has none. And that goes for us, too. Oh, we have a really hard time with this we've had a hard time with dealing with grace because, um, you know, do you have siblings? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I have a older brother, you know, who in your family was the good child. I know it was me. I was the good child all the time. And my brother, he would get his mouth washed out with soap at times because of things that he said. And of course I would try to get him out of it. So that way, because we were good playmates and, you know, kind of took away my fun as well. But, I don't know who that is in your family but that's kind of how we begin thinking we think that the bad kids deserve to get their mouths washed out with soap and they get sent to their rooms in life that good kids get to pick out what they want at target or target and they get to have ice cream for dinner we get rewarded for that but the story of scripture reveals something else that when it comes to being in relationship with god there's something else at work and that's grace because even jesus reveals something else. Jesus goes on and and tells these stories to his disciples and to the crowds that we call parables. And I remember one of the times that I was at a Bible study with a group of of ladies, we were sitting around and they were studying the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you've read that or heard of that before about this, where Jesus tells the story of this, this son who takes his father's inheritance and goes off and squanders it, but winds up returning returning to his father and his father throws him this big, big party while the elder son who's been faithful the entire time kind of folds his arms and stands at the door. Well, in our Bible study, I remember this one lady being totally honest. She said, as we were reading this parable, she said, I don't like that story. I don't like that story. She said, I don't think, I think Jesus made a mistake here. That there's something wrong with this. Why are we rewarding and celebrating this guy who went off and then squandered everything and came back? And and the truth is, that's grace. And grace, it it kind of should make us mad because, because the world teaches us something completely different. See, God's kingdom is not about our goodness. It's about grace. And grace is a very disturbing thing. But we often look at others, but you know who needs it the most? Not just bad people. You. Me. You know, think about that. Do you know that you need grace? Some of us have a hard time accepting grace. We beat ourselves up again and again and again. Some of us fool into ourselves into thinking, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But the reality is there is Judah in you. And there's Judah in me. Did you know, though, that God's grace is available to people who haven't even made themselves available to God? That God is at work in the life of people that don't know him, that maybe don't believe in him. He's at work in the life of your alcoholic uncle and the sister with whom you had a falling out and the cousin who didn't invite you to his wedding. And you know what? That's good news, because people like Judah and like you and like me were never written off from being a part of the family of God and being used by God. And if we're reflecting the kingdom of God truly in our lives, that means that we're not basing our actions on what the person in our family has done for us or not done for us or whether they're good to us or not, but basically on what we're basing it on, what God has done for us. And a good question to ask yourself is, do I offer grace or do I just expect it? You know, is is grace your first approach, or do you happen to write stories in your head about what your dad or your cousin or sister or brother are doing or thinking? Do you assume things? Do you offer grace at all? See, the world tells us, and we may think that the cold shoulder and silence and violence are stronger, but guess what? Grace is actually more powerful, and God God didn't write Judah off. So maybe, just maybe, you shouldn't write that family member off. But I want to I step further in this because there's another thing we need to realize here. It's another of God's secrets when it comes to the Judas of our family. And that is that inclusion doesn't mean endorsement. Inclusion doesn't mean endorsement. In other words, we don't have to endorse someone's lifestyle or choices or what stance they take or what they've done or they haven't done in order to include them or even be seen with them or spend time with them. And most of the time, we assume that including someone in our interactions means that we're approving of what they're doing. But God shows us differently. See, we continue in the story in Genesis chapter 38, and I'm going to give you the kind of cliff notes version that really goes from bad bad to creepy here. So time goes on and Judah grows up. He has a bunch of sons. He finds a wife for his oldest son named Er, great name by the way. And the wife's wife's name is Tamar. But what happens is the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. See, the scripture tells us the oldest son did evil in God's sight and died. No more details, we kind of don't know that story. And then it goes on to the second son, And the second son the scripture says something i'm not going to read in church you can explore for yourself in genesis chapter 38 but he dies too and the law at the time said that judah would have to marry his sons to the widow of his oldest son so that's why you know his oldest son died he had was going to marry the second son but he died too well he has his third son but this third son is not quite old enough to get married so he kind of puts it off and says well when he's old enough you know i'll marry her off but but then we're told that he kind of forgets her you know do you do you know what that means you know to forget someone has that ever happened to you in your family have you ever been forgotten you know it's a family gathering or a vacation or a special dinner and you know i forgot you oops you know or maybe even a birthday you know oh i forgot uh, some of us, that makes us really feel terrible when we forget those really important things. A number of years ago, remember I forgot my mom's birthday by accident. My dad called up me up like the day after and like, oh, I just like felt terrible. But, but there's other times that we forget, I forgot, you know, uh, and you've done it. I've done it. We've all done this. Well, Judah forgets tomorrow. And then time goes by. And Tamar decides to take matters into her own hands. Into her own hands. That way, she can bear a son through this family. Well, Genesis chapter thirty-eight continues, verse twelve. In the course of time, the wife of Judah, Shuah's daughter, died. When Judah's time of mourning was over, he went up to Timnah to his sheep shears, and he and his friend Hira, the Adomalite. Ad- sorry stumble over there, The I when Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear sheep. She put off her widow's garments, put on a veil, wrapped herself up, and sat down at the entrance to Enim, which is on the road to Timnah. She saw Sheila was grown up, who was the youngest son, the third son, yet she did not, she had not been given to him in marriage. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be a prostitute, for she had covered her face. So the story goes, Judah's out on the town. His wife has passed. Tamar has this plan to make things happen since Judah isn't going to. And Judah doesn't recognize his own daughter-in-law. He thinks she's a prostitute. So he goes up to her and the the kind of going rate in those days was a goat, which Judah did not have. But after their time together, Tamar asks him to pledge something, to pledge his signature ring and his rod, which were really significant items in that time. And so Judah does that, and he goes home, and then Judah sends a servant with a goat to pay her back. Well, guess what? The servant can't find the prostitute. And the servant was also going to get back his stuff. But he's walking around, he can't find the prostitute. He comes back. Judah kind of shrugs his shoulders and lets it go. But You know what that part of the story really is? It's crazy. That's what that is. It's really disturbing. It's really messed up. You know, think about that, what what he did. See, something we have to realize is that God isn't approving Judah's actions here. He's including him in Jesus' family tree in spite of his actions. Including does not necessarily mean endorsing. And so now I want to kind of challenge some of y'all's biblical thinking. We tend to think that Bible characters are all examples to us or should be, but that's not the case here. It's dangerous to assume all the stories in the Bible are models of how to live and act, that the people who are people of God in these stories are all correct and approved by God in their actions, We have lots of examples. Abraham's treatment of Hagar, David's concubines, Ruth's plan to sleep with Boaz, which we're going to get to in a a future sermon. Even several times there's slaughter of innocent people. But what if the Bible is really meant to show us and their imperfections? See, even Jesus, Jesus hangs out with all types of people, the sinners and saints. He hangs out with the prostitutes. He hangs out with the tax collectors, but that does not mean he endorsed everything they were a part of. Even in our families, this is the case. I remember a couple of Thanksgivings ago, my uncle was telling a story about this neighbor he had that had this tree he wouldn't cut. And the tree was kind of like one of the dirty trees, had a lot of stuff. So my uncle took things into his own hands and bought some rat poison or some kind of poison. And since, you know, the tree has roots that go probably just about the same distance as the branches do under, but underneath the ground, he poured the poison into the ground and he took care of that tree. And so he was telling us this story and everybody's like, aha, you know, Oh, that's wonderful. You know, just because we're listening and we're including doesn't mean that we necessarily approve because we all have people in our families just like this, and even extended families and friends. We often fear associating with them because we're afraid that people will assume that we're condoning their behavior. But we need to keep including and inviting, spending time with them. But of course, that doesn't mean being stupid because craziness does need boundaries. You can tweak that. Craziness does need boundaries because you wouldn't put your daughter around Judah and be like, oh, that's just that crazy Judah guy, you know. You know, not a good idea. See, boundaries are healthy because, you know, in your body, you know what you call cells in the body that don't have boundaries? You call that malignant cancer and it kills. But we have to remember God didn't write off Judah. So don't write them off, include them. It's about grace, not our goodness. Include without necessarily approve. So now I wanna go on though and share with you, I think uh, the the third kind of secret here, the third piece I think is probably the most powerful when it comes to dealing with the Judas in our families. And that is confession, let's God in. Kind of rhymes there, confession, let's God in. And it's the hardest, hardest thing to do because every family has an elephant in the room or a skeleton in the closet. And the easy thing to do is to never share it never admit it never face it the easy thing to do is to be something called self-righteous but that means that you're taking things into your own hands see confession lets god in so the news in our story the news comes out the news spreads and the scripture says about three months later judah was told your daughter-in-law tamar is guilty of prostitution And as a result, she is now pregnant. Uh Uh-oh. And Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. And as she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and whose cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Sheila. Confession lets God in. See, it's our gut reaction to want to show that we're right. See, Judah's first reaction, you see here, almost destroys Tamar, and he almost destroys his unborn son who winds up in the family tree of Jesus. See, it's our self-righteousness, our control can destroy people and relationships too. I know this. You know this. Secrets are about control. Lies are about control. That's why mom, when you were growing up, said, told you that swallowing watermelon seeds would grow watermelons inside you. That if you sat too close to the TV, you'd start going blind. That if you cross your eyes, they would remain that way. She did that because she didn't want you to do those things. But eventually, eventually the truth comes out. See, self-righteousness is symptomatic of something deeper. When we think and believe that we are controlled, control, because, because do you know anyone who hammers on an issue or has hammered on an issue and you find out later that they're wrestling with, that they're making fun of people struggling with their weight because they themselves have body issues? They, they think they have all the answers to all the problems in the world right now or they say, no, they're not racist and they never have been, or the things that they've done have never really been a big sin or never really hurt anybody. That's self-righteousness. And it's dangerous because it not only blocks our relationships and stunts them, it often blocks God. It's dangerous because you and I, we wind up seeing sin in others' lives and not our own. It's the broccoli in your teeth that you've been walking around with all day long. A seminary ethics professor I once had, uh, once said some words that have really stuck with me across the years. And she was teaching us to really think and to, to pray, especially when it comes to controversial issues and kind of deciding what we believe and where we, where we stand. And she said, You know what, guys? Like, I I learned this, she said, when I was probably a little bit too old. But she says, You know what? You come to a prayerful decision, a research decision, a reflective decision, and you say, I've concluded this, but God help me, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. See, confession, to say, I can be wrong, I could be wrong here. Confession does the opposite a block. It opens doors. If you've ever been to a recovery meeting, you know this because someone shares something deep that they're struggling with and it just opens something inside of you. Confession does that. Can you admit you're wrong, that you've done wrong? Do you admit it when you're wrong? Do you even admit it that you could be wrong? See, Judah comes full circle here because he recognizes he is wrong and he turns from it and then he goes to support Tamar. He lets God in. And what happens? God changes the story. God redeems the story. And if we go back to Matthew, we see that Tamar gives birth to Perez. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, and so on all the way down to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You, you may have a Judah in your family tree, but guess what? There's also Judah in you and Judah in me. But the good news is there's also Jesus. And this is not to say that, that there aren't consequences to people's actions. There are situations that may never fully, completely be mended in this lifetime. And truthfully, your instinct may be right. That in everybody else's eyes, you should just cut them off or cut yourself off. But know this, that God hasn't, he has not, and he will not cut them off. Or cut you off so maybe just maybe you shouldn't cut them off so I want to tell you this I want to encourage you in this don't give up praying don't choose to forget them don't think that they're too messed up or they're too far gone or there's too much that has happened for God to redeem them no situation and no family is hopeless with Christ in the picture, even if you're the only person in your family who knows him. Because maybe, just maybe, the grace and the hope and the redemption God wants to work through your family will begin with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for showing us that we're not too far gone, Lord. Thank you for not writing us off, Lord. We all have stuff, God. We have stuff in our families. We have stuff in our lives. We have stuff that that we have done, Lord. And it's easy for us to look around in our families to want to edit people out, God. But we see in your story, you didn't do that. You didn't edit anybody out. Instead, you chose to redeem God, help us to be sources of redemption, Lord. Help us to offer grace, Lord. Help us to include without thinking that that means that we approve. Lord, help us to confess our wrongdoings, to say, I I think this, I believe this, but God help me, I could be wrong. Lord, we as your people hope to expand your kingdom here on earth as you have called us to, God. Help us to be a light to those around us. And Lord, help us to continue to trust in you as the source of our power, God, and the source of our strength. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we love you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Kingdom come here at your feet again, see me unseen see truly one look at you and I'm undone. I run to the throne room, I run to the throne room. Upon grace, so oh my fear falls away on me, your perfect love for me remains. Oh, time after time you stay close by my side, burning fire inside, I can't contain. I run to to
0: Hey, we thank you for joining us today, uh, Salem Fields Community Church, and we hope you enjoyed your worship experience. Again, remember to check out all of those things that are going on this week, Monday through Friday. we got our deeper dives, our, our lunch gatherings, our journey takeover, and again, you can always join us next Sunday on our services at 9 a.m. Following um, on Sundays, don't forget, we also have our children's ministry online live at 1020 and uh, our students meet at 1035 right here at salefields.com slash live. We want to make sure you don't miss those events either. So stay tuned. God bless. We'll see you next week.